Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io's MLB Betting Podcast for Monday, April 26th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Glad to be back after taking some vacation time with last week and then also some travel with the Thursday show a week and a half ago. But plenty of stuff to talk about here on today's podcast, so we'll be diving in very, very quickly here to get things going. After I remind you about the daily article that I write every day over at ATS.io, once again with the vacation, that was a little bit sporadic last week. But the fact of the matter is, look, I don't want to put out less than my best. I don't want to put out information with a half-ass handicap or something where I didn't do the due diligence, didn't put the time in because I was busy, because there were time changes, all that sort of thing. So I just thought, you know what, it's better not to put something out there than to put something out there that's not good, that people are still going to follow. So didn't want to do that, never want to get in the habit of doing that. I've never done that with Bang the Book or ATS here. So it was better just to skip the article some days last week. Because again, I just felt like I couldn't handicap the card the way that I usually do. And taking shortcuts in this business, never really a great way to go about things. So glad to be back. Glad to be back with the daily article here today. Couple of picks in that, write-ups on just about every game. So make sure you check that out over at ATS.io. We'll be doing some stuff with the NFL draft this week as well. I'll be putting together some prop betting articles for ATS.io for you to check out. And we'll have Brian Blessing on the show on Tuesday to talk about the NFL draft, some of the props that he's looking at. We'll take a look at some golf stuff and some NASCAR stuff as well. So plenty of things coming up here with Brian and with all of our coverage over at ATS.io. There are already a couple of videos on our ATS YouTube page from Brian as well for you to check out. Along with the stuff that I write over at the website, we got NBA, NHL content, game preview content, lots of stuff from our talented cast of writers. So good number of things for you to check out over there at the website. I'll be writing up a golf preview today, a UFC preview for this weekend, NASCAR for this weekend. Got the situational betting articles up already. And as I mentioned, that draft coverage as well. Lastly, make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, full article integration from the website, lots of stuff in that ATS app. Again, the exclusive place to track my picks from the article as well. So download that ATS app for Android or your iOS devices. Format for today, we'll go beyond the box score, talk about a sabermetric stat of the day. Go down the line, talk about some line moves that we saw over the last little while while I've been away. Give you a pick for the show and then also preview the week ahead for a handful of series here. So let's go ahead and dive right in with today's edition of the Betters Box. And, you know, as we get deeper into the season, I do look more on a micro level, looking at individual series, kind of things that we can pull out of some of the series that we've just recently seen. But I still want to look at a lot of macro trends. You know, it feels like we've had baseball for a long period of time here, but the season is only 25 days old. We're not even four weeks into the season here so far. So there are still some significant outliers. There are some things that we're finding out about this 2021 season, and I'll talk about a lot of that here as we go forward. But again, looking at some macro trends still, something that I've noticed here is that there's been a lot of money coming in against the Cincinnati Reds. Over the last week, week and a half, they got off to a blistering start, particularly on the offensive side. They're still leading the league in batting average with 344 with a runner in scoring position, but that's down about 120 points from 
two weeks ago or so. So this has been dropping pretty quickly. The market has been picking against them. They still lead the league, but obviously they are regressing to the pack a little bit. And this is just to further reinforce one of the concepts that I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show is that these significant outliers, these teams that are well outside the normal range will regress and will generally regress in a hurry. So even though sample sizes aren't very big, we don't want to make a lot of broad generalizations, sweeping conclusions about these teams. What we do know is that the extremist of the extreme outliers are going to come back to the pack and the Reds and their performance with runners in scoring position, definitely one of the big ones. And this will keep going down too. They're not going to run a 340 throughout the rest of the season. So definitely something you want to consider. Texas at 316, that will also come down. Seattle at 286, I believe will come down as well. And when you look at how things are set up here for this season, you've got the Reds, Rangers, and Mariners all at 286 or higher. Nobody else in baseball is higher than 263. Last season, we had nine teams at 270 or higher, the highest being 311. I believe that was the Padres. Then the next team was 293. Next team was 278. Back in 2019, we had nine teams at 270 or higher. The highest in 2019 was 294. So again, a lot of these stats fall into a certain range. So the teams that are really big outliers probably will come down, but there are a lot of teams that will improve as well. And as I said, over the last two seasons, nine teams in each season at 270 or higher with runners in scoring position. This year, we only have three so far. So situational hitting should improve a little bit. We have seen a lot of unders here so far this season. Teams not really cashing in those risk opportunities. I do think that is something that changes a little bit as we go forward, does kind of normalize and stabilize to a degree here. Now, of course, one of the reasons why we've had a lot of unders is because a lot of teams have struggled with men in scoring position. The bottom five here so far, the Mets at 189, Blue Jays 201, Indians 206, Braves 208, Padres 212. Four of those five teams expected to be really good offenses. Cleveland being the outlier there, of course, not projected to be that good of an offense. But the Mets, Blue Jays, Braves, and Padres, all teams I would expect to see some positive regression from in the situational hitting departments. So those are maybe all, to some degree, either play on teams, team total over teams, full game over teams, stuff like that, where those four teams, the Mets, Blue Jays, Braves, and Padres, all teams I would expect to improve offensively here with their situational hitting in rather short order. Right now, we have nine teams in baseball at 216 or lower in terms of their batting average with a runner in scoring position. The lowest team last year was 218. And the second lowest team was 228. Back in 2019, the lowest team was 227. And the second lowest team was 237. So we have nine teams right now, 216 or lower, when the lowest in 2020 was 218 and the lowest in 2019 was 227. So basically what I'm saying here is that these are extreme outliers. These are teams that should all improve with their fortunes with runners in scoring positions. So I would expect scoring to go up for the Mets, for the Blue Jays, even for the Indians, the Braves, the Padres, those teams that are struggling with situational hitting, expect them to improve. On the flip side, teams that are doing really well, 
Well, expect them to fall off the pace, the Reds, Rangers, Mariners. And in fact, we've seen quite a few line movements against those three teams here over the last week. And we've seen money come in on a team like the Braves, for example, where offensively they're lagging behind in a lot of categories. So situational hitting will improve for the bottom teams, will regress for the top teams. And it's very easy to go over to fan graphs, go to the team page in the splits box, look at men in scoring position and look for some of these outliers here as the season goes along. But remember, extreme outliers are the ones that typically regress the fastest. So the absolute highest and the absolute lowest will see regression to the mean over the next little while, to be sure. So we're starting to get some more data points here. We're starting to get some more indication of how this season is going to go, how the baseball will wind up playing here. League-wide slugging percentage sits at 390 right now. If this holds, and it seems like like a possibility that it could, that will be the lowest since 2014 when the league-wide slugging percentage was 386. 2013 was at 396. So we're talking about some power numbers that we haven't seen in a long period of time here. The home run to fly ball percentage, 13.3%. That's closer to the 2018 season than the last couple of seasons that we've had. The league ERA of 402, that's the lowest since 2015. Highest strikeout percentage yet again. So it does appear, as we keep getting deeper into the season here, we can definitively say that the new baseball, with the increased level of drag, is bringing down home runs. It's bringing down extra base hits as a whole. That league-wide slugging percentage at 390, the lowest since 2014. I don't know how much better that's going to get. Now, of course, we are seeing a lot of lower scoring games. We are seeing a lot of unders. I think people will kind of chalk that up to the weather being a factor, and it is, but I don't think it's nearly the biggest factor. I think you've got more of an infatuation from teams with contact quality in terms of you know throwing fewer fastballs, more breaking balls, all of that. But I think the single biggest thing here is that the baseball has greatly impacted scoring and in particular has greatly impacted hitting for power where teams are just not hitting nearly as many home runs as they had been previously. So with that in mind, when you look at starters who have a home run issue, guys that maybe pitch pretty well overall, have good strikeout to walk ratios, but just give up a lot of home runs, those guys will benefit from this environment. So some of the guys that may have had higher FIPS from last year or two years ago because of their home run rates or because of their home run to fly ball percentages Those are guys that may be a little bit better here for this season. There's less concern, I think, across the board about giving up home runs with the way this baseball is playing. And in turn, pitchers will start adjusting to that, where they'll just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to throw strikes. Maybe you got a pitcher with a high walk rate, and he'll just sit there and say, I'm going to let guys put the ball in play because the ball's not going anywhere. Batting average, way down. Slugging percentage, way down. The ball just simply isn't going anywhere with the physical attributes of the baseball this season. So guys with higher walk rates, if they're able to, may start to throw more strikes, may start to put more balls in play, but also those pitchers that allow a lot of home runs year in and year out, those may be guys that we can buy on the cheap here this season because it certainly does look like we're going to have a down year from a power standpoint. All-time high in fastball velocity, all-time high in strikeout percentage once again. 
Nothing new about that. Expect that to continue not only this year, but as we go into further years as well. But to talk about, you know, again, when we look at some of the offenses that are struggling and the teams that probably shouldn't be struggling offensively, you've got some fly ball heavy offenses in there that have been significantly impacted in a negative way by the baseball. Teams like the Braves, teams like the Blue Jays, teams that hit a lot of fly balls are not having as much offensive success as you would expect. And a big reason why is because the baseball has changed. When we look at the top offenses in weighted on base average here around the league, the top 10 are Boston, Cincinnati, the Dodgers, the White Sox, the Angels, Houston, Arizona, Philadelphia, Colorado, and the Mets. And when I look at these teams here, these teams that have had success offensively, they rank in ground ball percentage, 18th, 29th, 15th, 1st, 16th, 9th, 21st, 3rd, 22nd, and 5th. So of the top offenses in baseball, only three of them, the Reds, it looks like here, let's see, the Reds, the, uh, oh boy, I wish I would have had this organized a little bit better. Uh, the Reds, the Rockies, and then also I believe the Astros here. Yeah, the Astros. Teams that are in the bottom 10 in ground ball percentage, but only three of them that are in the top 10 in WOBA. This is not what we would expect to see. And the reason why we would not expect to see this is because WOBA, weighted on base average, adds those run values to getting on base with a double or a home run, something like that. So usually you get those on fly balls. But this year, the fly ball offenses have actually been impacted in a pretty negative way. When we look at the bottom five offensively in WOBA, the Tigers, Indians, Orioles, Blue Jays, and Nationals, three of those teams, Detroit, Cleveland, and Toronto, are in the bottom 10 in ground ball percentage. And by bottom 10, I mean the fewest number of ground balls. So what we're seeing here this season, and again, my apologies for not having this data uh, organized better in front of me here. What we're seeing here this season is that teams that are actively trying to hit fly balls are mostly being punished for that strategy because of the way that the ball is traveling or, or the lack of travel in the baseball here. So this has been very challenging for me in the month of April where a lot of the things that I handicap based on are not working out in my favor here this season. You know, I look at teams that hit fly balls because they hit for power. They get those extra base hits. It is harder than ever before as strikeout percentage continues to increase to manufacture runs, to string together hits, you know, and and score runs that way. So you want the big fly. You want the doubles, the back-to-back doubles, the two-out doubles, the home runs, all that kind of thing. But right now, the teams that are hitting fly balls are actually being punished for it because of the way that the baseball is playing. So this is a significant change for me and a significant adjustment that I do need to make here as we go forward. And it's very frustrating because every baseball season winds up being so dramatically different because they're changing the baseball so many ways. But again, the primary takeaway here is that home runs are down. Batting average is down. We are seeing games where I think the total should be a half a run higher, but it's not because of this run environment that we have. And it's negatively impacting 
teams that live on the long ball, teams that live on fly balls and generating power that way. So teams that are hitting more ground balls are actually having more success, even though it's harder to string innings together than ever before. So just something for you to keep in mind here. And I know that it's kind of a really you know, detailed and complex concept, but it will have a lot of handicapping impact and value as we go forward here because it will warm up and the ball will probably travel a little bit better. But I still don't think that teams that live on the long ball are going to have a lot of success here. And like I said, pitchers with home run issues probably won't have as big of an issue with that for this season. So that'll be something for us to keep in mind on an individual player level where guys that give up a lot of home runs probably aren't going to have that same problem this season. Relative to their peers, yeah, they'll probably still give up more home runs. But relative to their career numbers or something like that, that probably won't end up being the case. So keep an eye out for this as we go forward here. It's something that I'm definitely trying to factor into the equation as much as I possibly can with my handicapping here as we go forward. So sabermetrics stat of the day here for today's show. I just talked about Woba, weighted on base average, where each way of getting on base has a weighted run value that contributes to the formula. Well, ex-Woba is expected weighted on base average. So you get weighted on base average, and you put an X in front of it, and you get ex-Woba. And this is a stat you can find over at Baseball Savant, S-A-V-A-N-T.com. It's the home of StatCast data on the internet. X-WOBA is expected on base average. So like I've talked about before, WOBA is a more modified form of on-base percentage that weights the outcomes based on importance. With on-base percentage, a walk and a home run count the same. With WOBA, they absolutely do not. A home run this year, I think, is a a run value of 2.1 runs, I believe. A walk is worth 0.69 runs. So... Yeah, that's a lot more accurate to me, where a home run does count for more runs than a walk would. So that's what WOBA does. It incorporates all of those outcomes and gives them a weighted run value. Now, what XWOBA does is it takes the weighted outcomes and predicts them based on overall contact quality, incorporating exit velocity, launch angle, and for certain batted ball types, sprint speed. So if you're hitting ground balls, but you're a fast runner, maybe you beat some of those out. If you're hitting line drives, maybe you get some more doubles out of that, stuff like that. So XWOBA is a measure of overall contact quality. Then the outcomes, of course, that we would expect to see from those batted ball types, from those contact quality metrics, are weighted based on their run values. So why is XWOBA important? Well, this is a betting show, so we'll talk about it from a betting context. Xwoba will lead to line moves in the betting market, both on an individual level with teams and on a pitcher level. So Xwoba will create line moves. And you can look this up. It is a little bit of a confusing process to outline here on today's show. But if you want to know how to do it, please let me know at Skating Tripods on Twitter. You can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com. Maybe I'll even talk about how to do it when I send out today's email for the betters box notes. But you can find what's called the WOBA minus XWOBA discrepancy. So what this is, is it's a team's actual weighted on base average and you subtract the expected 
weighted on base average from it and see which teams are underachieving and which teams are overachieving. So we take the Washington Nationals, for example, a team I just mentioned, they're in the bottom five in WOBA. They rank 26th in WOBA uh, based on the numbers over at Fangraphs. They're 27th in WOBA over at Baseball Savant. But Washington, while ranking 27th in WOBA, is ninth in ex-WOBA. Their difference between their WOBA and ex-WOBA is 42 points. So they're 27th in actual WOBA, but ninth in ex-WOBA, which would suggest that they've gotten very unlucky this season, that their, that their contact quality should mean a better offensive profile, but it has not. The Indians, they have a 41-point difference between WOBA and ex-WOBA. They are 28th in WOBA, but 17th in ex-WOBA. So the idea here behind this is that these teams, based on their contact quality, should be better than they are offensively. The Mets have the third biggest gap. They rank 11th in WOBA, but fourth in ex-WOBA. And when you look at the Mets here, a top five team in contact quality by ex-WOBA, and as I talked about already, they're 30th in batting average with runners in scoring position at 189. So the Mets are absolutely an offense that should get better here in the near future and should get better pretty quickly, I would say. So that's something I think you definitely need to look at and factor into the equation here is that some of these teams will get a lot better offensively as some of their outcomes start to level off, as some of their outcomes you know, start to, uh, you know, as they go from being on the wrong side of luck to being either on the right side of luck or just performing up to their expectation. The Twins, 12th in Woba, 6th in ex-Woba. Yankees, 26th in Woba, but 16th in ex-Woba. And the Giants, 22nd in Woba, 15th in ex-Woba. So it's a measure of team-wide contact quality. So you can also look at this from a pitcher standpoint. You know, I'm looking at batting because I'm looking at offenses that are going to positively regress based on a variety of different factors. With the Royals here, for example, they have an actual WOBA against of 305, but an ex-WOBA against of 352. So the Royals have gotten very fortunate with their pitching outcomes. The defense has played well. They've been very, very lucky to this point in time to have a 47-point difference between WOBA and ex-WOBA. So the Royals are probably a negative regression candidate here. They're off to a great start, leading the Central Division and all of that. But this may not last. They are getting lucky on the pitching side. The Cardinals, 311 Woba against, but a 351 X Woba against. So the Cardinals, another team getting lucky on the pitching side. And usually you see this with good defensive teams. Good defensive teams will be able to outperform some of these metrics because they simply convert more outs than other teams are going to do. On the other hand, the Angels have a 324 Woba against, but an X Woba against of 308. So they should actually be doing better than they are, but they've had some defensive issues and some bad luck here so far this season. So if you can find this, and again, I will help you out with the betters box notes and all of that. There are ways to look up this Woba and X Woba difference. And when you find them, a lot of times you will see a correlation out there in the betting market based on the line moves with teams that are expected to improve or teams that are expected to uh, decrease here based on ex-WOBA. So it is 
kind of more of a descriptive stat in a way, but it can be predictive as well because it does measure the team-wide contact quality. And therefore you can see if a team is getting lucky or if a team is getting unlucky. So hopefully that was clear. Again, you can get the notes at uh, skatingtripods at gmail.com for the betters box. Obviously lots going through my head here so far today. So, you know, trying to organize my thoughts as best I can, but hopefully uh, that made some sense for you on today's show. And it will be something that I talk about as we go forward here and also talk about in the individual picks article as well. Just looking in general here at the down the line segment, instead of looking at individual line movements and, you know, specific games and stuff like that. In general, the things I've picked up on in the betting market here, betters are fading the reds. They're fading that hot offensive start. They're not really a believer in them. They're also fading the brewers. And I don't think it's because they dislike the brewers. I think it's just because of the injury issues that the brewers are dealing with right now, particularly in the lineup. So We've seen a lot of money against the Reds and a lot of money against the Brewers here of late. But more notably to me has been the teams that have had the buy side next to them. Almost daily, we've seen money on the Giants. Almost daily, we've seen money on the Astros. Almost daily, we've seen money on the Braves. And I, we saw money on the Braves today. I picked the Braves run line in the article against the Cubs. That's Zach Davies against Charlie Morton. But seeing a lot of buy signs out there for the Giants, Astros, Braves, and then also the Yankees. And the Yankees, of course, one of those teams I just talked about with a big gap between their WOBA and their ex-WOBA. They should be about a league average offense in WOBA, but they're a bottom five offense currently. That should improve. That's what the market believes in. And so we've seen a good bit of Yankees money here of late and did see Yankees money on quite quite a few of those games against the Indians here earlier on in the week. I'll be following more closely. I'll be able to keep more of an eye on the markets and all of that. Like I said, totals have been about a half run lower than I would have expected here based on how the baseball is playing and all of that. So again, we're just trying to build this comprehensive profile of what's happening with this baseball season. And to be totally honest with you, I I would say that maybe in future seasons, I don't do much in April as we wait for all of this to stabilize, as we wait for the baseball to kind of take shape and all of that. You know, every new season is very, very different because they're making all of these changes year in and year out. So I guess we'll kind of see what happens here as we go forward. Four series to preview for the week ahead. We start with the Twins and Indians. And both the Twins and the Indians, teams that are lagging in that WOBA versus ex-WOBA department. So both of these offenses should improve here as we go forward. You've got Jose Barrios, Zach Plesak tonight, Kenta Maeda, Aaron Savale tomorrow, Jay Happ, and Logan Allen on Wednesday. Like I mentioned, two underachievers to this point based on the metrics, particularly on the offensive side. Barrios kind of making that leap. You know, it was something that I sort of expected from him. He'll turn 27 next month. Kind of expected this prime of his career leap. Starting to sort of show up a little bit. Will be interesting to see what happens in this start tonight. Because the Indians don't hit changeups. Barrios threw a lot of changeups against them last year. He has not been using that pitch as much this season to this point as he did last year. So changeup command will be a big part of the equation for him tonight. But the strikeouts look good. The exit velocity is getting better. Barrios kind of making that leap. Whereas Zach Plesak is not. Zach Plesak's control is still good. Command kind of faltering him a little bit. Interesting game tonight. Also interesting with Kenta Maeda. He's had some command woes here early on in the season. Um, You know, we'll see how the Indians fare against him. They did not fare well against him at all last season. So 
don't know. I think maybe that we could have the opportunity for some runs in this series. Maybe both of these offenses do break out a little bit, maybe with a couple of lefties in that getaway day game on Wednesday. Kind of like the over a little bit in Happ and Allen, but uh, don't have a play on tonight's game, and we'll see what the market looks like for Tuesday night. Reds and the Dodgers here. Tyler Mayle, Julio Urias tonight. Jeff Hoffman, Walker Bueller tomorrow. Sonny Gray, Clayton Kershaw on Wednesday. Wonder if the betters are willing to lay the big Dodgers prices here to keep fading the Reds. They're doing it tonight in that Mayle and Urias matchup. Look, the Dodgers are playing very, very well. You know, I know that they're only three and four against the Padres, very evenly matched games in those two series. But the Dodgers are 12 and three against everybody else, although that does include a six and one mark against the Colorado Rockies. Something I think will be kind of interesting to follow here. And, and the Pir- and the uh, Padres and the Dodgers won't play each other again until the month of June. But can we fade these two teams coming out of those high-octane, very intense series where maybe the Reds do win today? Tyler Mayle, not a bad guy to back as an underdog, I don't think. Urias is a guy I'm trying to bet on for the Dodgers, but just not seeing a ton of betting value in that regard. So... I don't know, but I think it's an interesting matchup tonight, interesting series overall, especially to see if the market will continue to fade the Reds by laying those big Dodgers prices. The A's and the Rays, Sean Manaya, Rich Hill tonight, Frankie Montas, Michael Walker tomorrow, Cole Irvin, Tyler Glass now Wednesday, Chris Bassett, Ryan Yarbrough on Thursday. Came real close to taking Oakland tonight. Rich Hill's given up four runs in each of his four outings. Has not pitched well, not great command. Sean Manaya has actually pitched really well. The A's are being outscored on the season, yet they're 14 and eight. They just came off that 13 game winning streak. But the Rays have been impressive to go 11 and 11. They've got a ton of bullpen injuries. They've got six or seven guys on the injured list that would have made their opening day bullpen. I give them credit for being a 500 team at this point in time. We'll see how they wind up playing in this series. But I was tempted to take the Rays tonight, or excuse me, the A's tonight. And that may still end up being the case for me. Lastly here, the Red Sox and the Mets. Garrett Richards, David Peterson on Tuesday. Nick Pavetta, Jacob deGrom on Wednesday. Quick little two-gamer here. And you've got an underachiever versus an overachiever matchup where I don't think the Red Sox are this good. They're third in bullpen F4 with a 329 ERA, 312 FIP. I don't think this bullpen's that good. I think the offense is definitely uh, quite good. I don't think the bullpen is this good. The starting staff doesn't really impress me a whole lot. The Mets, they're a top five bullpen in F4, but they have a 60.5% left on base percentage. So you've got to think that would get better. I just mentioned they were a big outlier in the Woba minus X Woba department, big outlier in batting with runners in scoring position. This Mets team is probably a play on team right now. And so... I'll take a look at them for Tuesday. DeGrom on Wednesday means they'll be a massive favorite. But I do think that the Mets at this point in time, at least if you want to play on them or play overs with them, this offense should improve and should improve in relatively short order based on all of the metrics that are out there. So that's something I would definitely take a look at there uh, with the Mets and kind of get an idea here as we go forward of some teams to play on, of some teams where some line movement may be coming in trying to get out in front of those moves and all of that. So good to be back with you here on a Monday. I know that maybe uh, I didn't express everything as well as I should have on today's show, but a lot going through my mind, playing a lot of catch up here on today's program. So hopefully you enjoyed it again. 
Subscribe to the email list, skatingtripods at gmail.com. You can get the notes for the show and also then follow along or sort of read and reinforce the things that I talked about. And as I said, maybe I'll put together some kind of tutorial for how to look at the WOBA and ex-WOBA discrepancy, both on a team level and also on an individual pitcher level. That'll do it for me. I'll be joined by Brian Blessing tomorrow talking NFL draft, golf, and NASCAR. So look forward to that. Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.